0: Do you, do you want to start with your confession, Ben?
1: I do. Yeah. I feel like I need to come clean. Um I didn't think my worlds would collide like this, my two lives. But uh but here we are and the team that I that I guiltily watched for large portions of this season, in part because the time zone makes it easy, you know, it's like a nice thing before you go to bed to flip on a West Coast game, but but also because the team was really interesting to watch. The Padres and the Cardinals are are, are meeting here, and uh, I gotta feel. I just feel like I need to come clean, Derek. I've been I've been watching Padres games.
0: Did that feel good? You know, do you feel yeah. better? Do you feel involved?
1: I do, yeah. And I and I feel like there's like a there's like a chorus of people from St. Louis being like, "We were too." <laughs> <laughs> Cathartic. Everyone just 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 uh, saying it together. There's strength in numbers. Hello, my name is Ben. I've watched the Padres a lot this season. Um, and then everyone says it back, and then we all feel we all feel better. It's hard not to have a fondness for the Padres. They are fun, they're flashy, they hit a ton of home runs. They got Fernando Tatis Jr., who, you know, as you eloquently and, and, and awesomely wrote today, the backstory of what maybe could have, have changed that would have made him a, a Cardinal. Um, and, and they've got a ton of Cardinals connections. I mean, some of the most likable guys – that we've covered um, as a part of the Cardinals are now with the Padres. I mean, I wasn't around for, for Skip Schumacher. You were obviously, but I mean, Trevor Rosenthal, Greg Garcia, who's like the nicest guy in the world, who's also good at baseball. Um, you have, uh, you know, it, it goes on and on. And then, of course, my personal favorite, Tommy Pham, who, who. Alan Craig. I do miss Tommy Pham. And Alan Craig
0: is in the front office.
1: There you go. Even even more. And, and I think they, they got the hitting coach. The minor league hitting coach and instructor from St. Charles. I mean, it's it's just an interesting team for for our part of the uh, the country, and, and they and they're fun to watch when you when you have to cover a team all the time that has to like move mountains to score runs. It's kind of fun to watch a team that hits like a ton of home runs and averages a ton of a ton of runs per game, and uh, it, it just was a nice change of pace to watch the Padres a little bit. Now, that being said, they're in some trouble, Derek.
0: Yes, and we'll get to that. But first, I really probably ought to tell people what they're listening to, right?
1: I think so, probably, yeah.
0: Hello, everybody. This is the best podcast in baseball brought to you by Closets by Design. That voice is St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports columnist Ben Fredrickson. I am St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. And we are on the road for what baseball is calling the wild card series, though there are no wild card teams in this series. It is pitting two second-place teams, the Padres, who finished second in the NL West against the Cardinals, who through virtue of an elaborate tiebreaker that included head-to-head performance against the Reds, got second place in the NL Central despite playing two fewer games than every other team in the NL Central. The NL Central got four teams into the postseason. All four are playing teams that they did not see all season, including the Cardinals out here in San Diego, which brings me to this question, Ben. How's the view from your hotel room? Because we're in the same place, but not in the same place.
1: No, yeah, this is this is really how we should communicate always. No, I'm kidding. Um, of course, I <laughs> miss doing I miss doing the podcast in, in person. But uh, this uh, in weird times, man. It's the first time that you and I have been on a flight since we went to spring training. I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and first time I've been in
0: a plane since February. Right.
1: So we're, we're figuring it out, and we figured, yeah, hey, you know, maybe just stay in the hotel, do it. Do it online, and then because uh, we've been, you know, we've been for the most part keeping our distance um, as much as possible. So it makes it makes it easy, but it's just what you do to adjust. But my view is good, and, and I really appreciate the fact that we got this hotel. So kudos to you on uh, locking this one up. It's this, it's this like renovated bank in San mm-hmm. Diego. This Marriott, and it has like uh, we were fortunate enough, perhaps because there are people staying in hotels right now. I don't know. Um, we got a little corner setup. So you're, you're one floor above me and we both have like corner rooms and we can see, uh, we can see like all of San Diego. So when you're, when you're not, um, when you're not, you know, getting out and about, like we normally would on the road where we like to go out, you know, and we can go out and eat outside and all that good stuff, but it's nice to have some views. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's been a a plus here.
0: Yeah, it is. And what's your initial view to clumsily segue of the series, (laughs) The, the, uh, we're recording this before the teams are finalizing their rosters, and we wanted to do this as sort of a preview of the series and also come through with more regular BPIBs um, a little bit more than once a week because of the nature of these series. This this is a short BPIB because it's a short series, and so we want to try to continue to do that during the postseason as long as the postseason goes. So as we're talking right now, so too are the Padres. The Padres have some big decisions to make, that probably came at them suddenly or certainly um, were revealed so suddenly on Tuesday during the workout that Mike Schilt was the one that broke the news about the Padres starting the guy with the highest ERA in the rotation uh, for game one. And then Jace Tingler, Mizzou guy, first-year manager for the Padres, had to explain that they aren't even sure that LaMette, or Clevenger will be on their postseason rosters. There are reports, and there's some thought that Clevenger did not feel comfortable after the bullpen. We watched him throw. He, he threw really aggressively. We watched it there at Petco Park on Tuesday, um, but the recovery was not as encouraging as the Padres hoped, so that may take him out of a Game 3 possibility, and Lamette is an unknown. He didn't throw off the mound as planned on Monday. They tried something else, and Tingler said that They didn't get medical clearance for him to rev it up and go off a mound. So is that going to happen in time for game two? They don't know, but they got to make that call. And both guys might not be on the postseason roster for this series.
1: Yeah, that was a significant shift here entering this series. And you saw in real time the Padres, which are a confident, um, they got a swagger to them, um, free-flowing, I would describe, team. Um, Mm -hmm. You you saw in real time this kind of look of nerves start to hit their face. And these zoomed. Videos yeah. from the ballpark, and, and understandably, I mean, the guys they wanted to start one two are not in the mix right now. And if they're not in the mix right now on the you know the the morning of, of game one, then it's realistic to think they might be not be in the mix at all. No matter what they're saying, where are they, and and why aren't they announced as as starters? So, um, I would like you know to to give credit to Mike Schilt for take that Jeff Passon and all you other national writers. So if Mike Schilt gets the scoop. Um, and, uh, and 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 I'm, I'm kidding, but but that was I think speaks to the desperation the the Padres are feeling right now about their starting pitching. I mean, the fact that Tingler was like, "Hey, we want to give Schilt a heads up as much as we can. We don't want there to think there's gamesmanship going on here." Um, but mm-hmm. that it happened so fast that no one else, they had not even officially announced it, and it just kind of speaks to the, I guess I don't want to call it a panic, but there's there's real concern there. So that makes it even more important, of course that the Padres, you know, carry these, this series with their bats, which is why I think this game one is so fascinating because the Cardinals are starting the guy that, that probably lines up best, lines up, um you know, perhaps the best to throw a wrench in this lineup that has just crushed all season long. So fascinating p- plot there. You, you wrote about it well in, in, in the paper um, this morning is, is, you know, pitching is the equalizer and the Cardinals have, the Cardinals are in a spot where even despite losing Dakota Hudson late in the season, even despite losing, you know, uh, losing a John Gantt late in the season, you have you have this ability to go, OK, they're about to get better at pitching because the, the governor that was on this team during that meat grinder stretch after the the COVID outbreak, it's now off. Um, mm-hmm. My children are no longer managing pitchers with one with one arm tied behind his back and and one of two eyes on the next day's schedule. And I think there's a freedom. The Cardinals are stoked about being able to just win today and not worry about tomorrow, because if you do that, then you're going to go home anyway. So I, I think that they're really feeling like their pitching has, has, has gotten past the stress point and now they can reap the rewards. And the Padres are feeling like we got to the promised land. One of the guys that we, one of the guys who got us here. Is 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 now a huge question mark. What the guy we picked up along the way to lead us to where we want to go is now a huge question mark. And that's an unnerving feeling.
0: Yeah. I, I find <laughs> this series fascinating <laughs> that because you could have the most um debated and most important pitching decisions come long before the game start. And that's Kim starting game one and Paddock starting game one. And I just I I'm not I mean, every so often we see that. Um, it wasn't too long ago. You know, getting the wayback machine that we came to San Diego and you know the late Joe Strauss and Bernie Miklas and I and we were covering a playoff series between the Padres and the Cardinals and it was like, wait, what? Jake Peavy isn't. What's going on here? Like, how do you? Or it wasn't Jake Peavy. Gosh. It was uh, oh Adam Eaton. That's who it uh, was.
1: But isn't it isn't it weird though that like like if if you if you said you know perfect scenario for any team, what kind of starting pitcher would you want to throw against the Padres? Well, you'd pick a lefty because their power goes down a little bit against lefties. You would pick a you know someone with a bunch of different pitches, someone to keep them off balance, someone who can really try to you know put them on pause and and, and get them to skip a beat. That's exactly what Kwang Young Kim. Hopes to do. Now we'll see if he's effective. We'll see how deep he can go. Um, But they don't know much about this guy. I think it's a really perfect move for the Cardinals to start him in Game One. And then if you had to pick a pitcher that you would want the Cardinals to face, you wouldn't want a lefty, and you would not want a you know a slow a slow thrower. Um, You know the Cardinals really can get tied up and and kind of checked out by by some of those off speed guys. So the the Padres are put in a spot where they got to start Chris Paddock. Who's a hard throwing right hander who who mostly relies on his fastball um at times, you know, working it up and two up in the zone. That's 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 if you have to pick a pitcher who profiles well for the Cardinals, it's him. A guy like him. Now we'll see how effective he is. He's been bizarre. He's had really good starts, and he's had really terrible ones to the point that like within the past month, Tingler's been asked about if he thought he was tipping pitches. And it's been like a theme in his career um, you know, this season. Uh, and, and 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 it's kind of been kind of the thing that has maybe given people some pause about expecting him to be this great star for the Padres. So he's been embattled here lately, and and the Cardinals are a fastball hitting team. So I think the Cardinals have got to feel pretty good about this.
0: It was Adam Eaton. I'm not I'm not losing my mind. It was Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton went eleven and five for the Padres in two thousand five, and he closed with some just furiously strong finish. Um, he had well, no, I'm sorry. Shouldn't say furiously strong finish. He closed with a reassuring start. Uh, he had kind of a struggle in September um, and then goes out in his last game of the year uh, and strikes out 11. Adam Eaton, a right hander with the Padres in 2005. So he strikes out 11 and is all set and ready for the postseason, right? And then doesn't throw a pitch in that postseason series against the Cardinals. And we're all befuddled by it. How does he not throw a pitch? And oh, shocker. The Cardinals just run roughshod through them and sweep them 3-0 in that division series. So, you know, Adam Eaton, the pitcher, not to be confused with Adam Eaton, the current outfielder. um, (laughs) I knew I I was like, I knew I wasn't losing my mind. So that was,
1: yeah, I got you. I'm with you. We're, We're on the same page now.
0: So it's not, so it's deja vu all over again is what I'm saying. I've seen this script before. I've been out here, different manager. Um, You know, the Padres wore blue back then. They wear brown now, but same choice. You know, I mean, their best pitcher might not throw a pitch in this series. And, you know, back then, it's fascinating. I mean, back then, you could argue that maybe it would have changed the series. I don't know. But game one is certainly important. And game one for the Padres is a pitcher that they are forced to use. And game one for the Cardinals is is a pitcher they choose to use.
1: Yeah, and that's why the Cardinals, I think, have to win game one if they're going to. And if they win game one, I think they can win this series. I think they might win this series, but if they're going to do it, it probably needs to be probably needs to be in, in two games. Um, but really, game one, I think, is huge. Now, the numbers, of course, say game one is huge. So this isn't some breaking news. But for a team like the Padres, and Matt Carpenter, I thought, did a good job of explaining this yesterday, Derek. This Padres team, it plays with – it plays with – this swagger, this energy, this, this enthusiasm. And even Fernando Tatis Jr. talked about how they flow. That's, you know, the kind of the word that he used, they feed off each other. So if you, if you make them starve in the first game for runs, then, then all of a sudden that pitching anxiety that we're Mm -hmm. watching in real time, then it becomes a little bit more spread throughout, throughout the team. So, you know, that that's, that's how it lines up. I think the Cardinals got to feel pretty good about where they are right now. They obviously don't want to see the Padres guys get hurt. But they, I think they like this this matchup the way it plays out, and I think they like the fact that they're sending Kim to the mound, who nobody really has a read on. I mean, you and I have watched this guy turn really good hitters into just uh, mummies at the plate stories, when they stories. when they see him for the first time. And and you know you can watch film, but I don't know that it's going to prepare you for his delivery, for his mix of stuff. He can he can he can slow and toggle his pitches. I mean, he's if he's if he's locked in, I don't know how deep he can go. But I, I would think that if I'm Mike Shilton, he's pitching well. I might let him push push the limits on how deep he can pitch into a game. But then, also, he can turn it over to this bullpen that is rested. I mean, that's a huge factor for the Cardinals here. That two days without a game, I think they feel like they just got out of a week at the Four Seasons. I mean, they they feel they feel like they got their feet back underneath them after this grind of a schedule and they're going to be I, th- I think that if you want to find something to be excited about for the offense and I know that's hard to do in 2020 and in 2019 okay the, the the Cardinals offense once again has been lugged to the postseason but if you if you want to be optimistic about it combined with paddock being the kind of pitcher the Cardinals should be able to to do some damage against is the fact that those guys who have just been been dragging will have a chance to have had a chance to catch their breath I think about you know the guy that I, I think is the biggest key to this series maybe is Paul DeYoung. His his he's played so many games Derek since he got back from the from having the virus, um, and his power has just been non-existent. And, and if he has a chance to catch his breath, you know, not play a game or two in a day, if he could show up with a little power in San Diego, that would be that would be a big deal.
0: Let me tell people about our sponsor at the best podcast in baseball. Imagine your home totally organized. Closet by Design specializes in custom closets, pantries, laundry rooms, garages, and more. Now get 40% off, plus an additional 15% off. Closet by Design of St. Louis, 314 733 9855. That's 314 733 9855. Closets by Design, the official sponsor all season long here of the best podcast in baseball. You brought up Paul the Young and power. I mean, is. Is that what? It, how do the Cardinals generate runs? Is it going to be? Does it have to be that surprise pop from somebody? Can they, can they do something? Because to to win a, a series, they're going to have to at least score two runs here, like two. And if they hold them to none, they got to score two. Um, so how are they going to do that? Did do we see any flicker there towards the end of how exactly they're going to be the offense they need to be? To back what is a pitching staff that could carry them for a
1: bit. I don't know. I mean what was their what were their final games? They scored five in the the, the season finale. The, the, the game before that they scored none. The game before two that hits, they scored they hits. scored nine. The game before that they scored none. <laughs> the game before that two they hits. scored two. I mean so that's I think that honestly I think that's what they are. They're a team that if they find the right pitcher and, and or can find a groove they can go off for five five or more runs. And then there's going to be you're going to, you know, there's going to be, you know, a ticker, tick, ticker tape parade back home in St. Louis. They do this in a postseason game. And, and meanwhile, everybody will also know they can show up, you know, they can show up the next day after that and get and get two hit or one hit. So that's really, I think, what they what they're going to be. So, you know, you got to win the games where the offense shows up and find a way to win the games where the offense can't be relied upon. And how do you do that? Well, you, you steal. You steal. Get aggressive in the run game. You put out on a bunt. You scratch claw. We've seen them do that at times. Uh, mm-hmm. We really saw that, I think, really well in Pittsburgh on that final trip, where it was just like, okay, you know, go find a run by by any way possible. Beg, borrow, and steal. And it might, you know, that that the playoffs, obviously, you know, the playoffs encourage that kind of play. It's every it's every every man for the team instead of everybody go get your numbers or, or sit around and wait on a home run. It's it's especially if the pitching can hold up and the Cardinals I think can have some pressure off this offense because they don't need to they don't need to be that good offensively. I've said this and you know I I feel like the Cardinals <laughs> feel like all we do is bang on them about the offense. I know Schilt brought that up in the uh in the zoom. And it's fair we to punch but yeah because it's, it's 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 like but it's not like it's not as if we're writing or talking about this Cardinals offense has to be the best of all time because it doesn't. It. it just needs to be average, a little above average, and this team would be very dangerous. So mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that they're going to change in the postseason their identity. Um, however, I think they could they could pounce on the Padres in one of these games, and then it's just going to become it's just going to become find a way to claw out another win. Probably, I think it'll be the same kind of Jekyll and Hyde thing where it's. They they might have one game. It could be. It could be this first game, but they go bonkers offensively, and then uh, that might be the only time.
0: Yeah, the Cardinals Um, have, based on um, OPS, they have the fourteenth best, uh, fourteenth best OPS in the National League, twenty sixth in baseball. So, uh, one of the five worst OPSs as a team in baseball. But the last time two top five teams in runs or OPS pick your number and runs scored or OPS the last time two top five teams met in the NLCS was 2009 Philly versus the Dodgers um, you know runs just aren't the indicator offense just isn't the indicator of postseason success however you know pitching is um, you know three of the top ten teams three of the top eight teams in the National League with OPS made the postseason seven of the top eight ERA teams made the postseason um i could go on you know the top five teams have met you know nine times here in recent years um in the nlcs you know last year last year last year washington finished second in the national league and runs scored right but what got them through the postseason it was their pitching the cardinals got to the nlcs despite being a below average offense in the majors and in the national league and that was because they had the second best era look I mean, the Cardinals had the 11th best OPS last year in the National League, and it, this is, and it's the second time that in their history since 2000 that they've had an OPS that low and still got to the NLCS. In part because, you know, they 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 had the pitching to carry it. I mean, it's just over and over again. You can look, and you know, these these stats are not imperfect, but they at least give you a snapshot or I'm sorry, these stats are imperfect. At least they give you a snapshot of sort of what is a general indicator. You know, I mean the, the, there's only been two NLCSs in the last 20 years, 20 seasons, the last 20 post seasons where the NLCS did not feature a top five ERA. And most often it's a top three ERA, you know, um, now that comes with the caveat that the Cardinals aren't a top three ERA
1: this year. Well, what's the – and how many times has the team in the postseason with a bottom five OPS of those postseason teams won the World Series? That that doesn't happen very often either. Well, you know, well, so um, it, it just happens more often than a team taking terrible pitching that deep. But I right, think that's right. the, that gets to our point is like the Cardinals with the way they play and the strengths that they have. They don't have to be a juggernaut offensively to be dangerous. They're, I don't think they're 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 as far off as some some people think um, right. from being right. a team that has the ability to win a World Series. But they're going to have to, you know, they put so much pressure and so much so so much responsibility on the defense and the pitching that you know it just asks them to. It's, it's just asking a. It's asking of. A six-cylinder car to to beat a, a V8 engine, you know. Right, it doesn't right. does you know they need to upgrade the 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 production of the offense while keeping the other things the same. And if they can find a way to do that, then then I think this team is a lot more appealing to watch, but also a lot more a lot more dangerous when it gets to this moment. I mean, we saw last season what a team that that has a shaky offense can can do if it pitches and defends, and that team reached the NLCS and then the lights went out against the team that went on to win the World Series on paper right, that's of the right. pitching, yeah. on paper that's a very good season you know that is if you would have told somebody that's how it was going to play out when the season started i don't think people would have been upset but it was the way it happened and the way the offense just melted against right, Nashville right. that that really goes man that doesn't look like a team that could have won the world series and, and it does in all aspects except the offense. And that's, that's where we're at again this year with 2020.
0: So last team to kind of be average offensively and go on and win the World Series, at least from the National League. I don't have the American League numbers readily at my fingertips here, but I did put this together during my uh, lovely time in the hotel room where I was looking for something to do. Um, the Giants, the Giants in 2012, when they dispatched the Cardinals and the. In the NLCS and the Giants in 2010, when they dispatched Philly in the NLCS and both times went on to win the World Series, they had a remarkably average or even one year below average offense. Um, another team that did it was the 2006 Cardinals. They ranked, um, you know, I mean, they, they were sixth in runs, sixth in OPS, so pretty close to average um, they were they were decidedly below average when it came to pitching. So you're talking about like uh, not exactly indicators on either side. Right. Um, they came to San Diego as an 83 win team. They backed into the playoffs and then uh, met a Padres team that gave them life. Um, they found you know their championship stride here in San Diego. Um, it really began with Mike Piazza dropping a pop up right before Albert Poole's destroyed a pitch to change a series. But, you know, the, the play that the players were talking about was not the one that Piazza didn't make, a future Hall of Famer, but one that Ronnie Belliard, um, called Hero in St. Louis, did make uh, in shallow right field. I mean, he just went and stole a hit from Todd Walker uh, that with the bases loaded would have flipped a game, definitely would have scored two runs, uh, might have really altered the look of that game and then looked made the series look a lot different. Instead, Ronnie Belliard smothered it, threw him out. And after the game, you know, I wrote about this at the time because it was just so fascinating to watch happen because this was a time when we could, when we were allowed in the clubhouse and could watch things unfold. And, uh, you know, Jim Edmonds hops up on this couch table type thing in the middle of the San Diego Padres visiting or Petco park visiting clubhouse. And, uh, The spirit moves him to give out a game ball, like a football team. And he said, you know, we're giving out a game ball to Ronnie Belliard because that was the play that made the game. That became a tradition, and it was like – I still find that fascinating. I still find it super cool that they did that, that they borrowed from the NFL or borrowed from college football, and they would give these game balls out, Ben, to to, like the little moment, the the guy who got them out of trouble, the guy who made the play, the guy who took the extra 90 feet, the guy who did the playoff E-Cardinal-E type thing that decided the game. And, you know, as that team gathered momentum, as they gave out more game balls, they found their way to a World Series title. Uh, There are some real interesting parallels between that team and this one uh, from the sense that, you know, that team got healthy right on the doorstep of October and got hot. This team, you know, got out of its doubleheader marathon, uh, got some rest. Can it get hot? That team unveiled a rookie closer right on the brink of the postseason, and he was, you know, superb, Um, became, you know, set his reputation in motion in 2006, and that was Adam Wainwright. This team has quietly christened a rookie pitcher as their closer. Um, They might not use him in the ninth all the time. They're going to go with matchups. But if it's there, you can pretty much count that Alex Reyes is going to get the ball there to close out games. They really like the look of that. And they won't say it, but they've telegraphed it. Um, The question is, is should they give out game balls?
1: (laughs) Well, I just love the fact that this story is – a. It has Adam Wainwright as the closer, and Adam Wainwright as the Game 2 starter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's he's bookending this story, um, which is a testament to to his career. Um, Yeah, they should give out game balls. Yes, they should tap into all of that Cardinal um, history and postseason pedigree that makes haters of the Cardinals roll their eyes. But I'm telling you, man – listening to those 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 conference calls yesterday this isn't a knock on the Padres because it's it's it, it, they didn't do anything wrong and there's nothing there's nothing that was like oh my god can you believe they said that or did that there's just a difference in the preparation in the in, in knowing where you're going I mean the Padres are back in the postseason for the first time in more than a decade and when that happens, Ronnie right with, with, when that happens it's there are things that are new and then it's not like the Cardinals have been in the postseason every year in recent years, but that, you know, they were in it last year. Those guys got a taste of what it was like. And then, you know, the previous years were, were about restarting the annual appearance in, in October. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of institutional knowledge of the postseason on this team. And I think you have to make that a strength because the Cardinals are lacking in other areas, you know, mm-hmm. okay. The Cardinals mm-hmm. have the Padres have Machado, and they have they have Tatis. Well, Machado and and, and Tatis don't have a wealth of postseason experience to rely upon. But Machado had some with the with the Dodgers. But the Cardinals have a a vault of it. And if if you're not tapping into that and turning that into a, a, a weapon to be used, then 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 that would be a shame because you know they have it they have it to rely on, and I think they do. So I think that's something that you know. Can I offer a lower. counterpoint? I loved Schilt's one one. I love response yesterday when he was asked about the fact that everybody's picking the Padres, and mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't. It was just like, okay, that's fine. Um, we really like the way that we're headed into this series, and, and we're going to go find out if, if if we're right. And it was just the perfect response. And I think he's he's got that kind of steely look of a guy who's starting to go into the postseason tunnel. And, uh, and I think that will, I think, I think, I really think managing is going to be a, a key in this series. And I think Schilt is locked in.
0: Can I, I'm going to offer a counterpoint though to your experience thing is over there with the Padres. Uh, and this may be overlooked, but is a big part of game one and, and could be key when you talk about Kim starting it is Eric Hosmer. And Eric what? Hosmer has been part of two World Series teams, one won it. Um, He was also part of some really pivotal, savvy, smart plays that uh, clue into how you win in the playoffs. And he was part of a young team finding its postseason legs before and might be able to, you know, hasten that learning curve a little bit. I mean, what he learned as a young player, what he saw others learn, Alex Gordon, you know, Salvador Perez, a lot of those guys with the Kansas city Royals who were there for the thin times and then got to find out what it takes to be a champion lose and then go back and win a title. I I think that helps the Padres more than we're probably giving credit. You know, uh, there were a lot of questions about experience and I have seen different stories about the experience that the Padres have. And I just, I just want to allow that Eric Hosmer is a part of that group and we should not dismiss his presence and the success he's had. We also should point out that, you know, against right-handed pitching, he slugs 596 and against lefties like Kim, he slugs 367. So if you can unplug that bat in the middle of the order, you change the look of the Padres and, and he's not going up there swinging experience. So, uh, you know, that, that is part of
1: it. Yeah. And and Tatis has a drop off against, against the lefties as well, but that's a great point. Hosmer, I mean, Hosmer is, um, He's a special player, and he's been a great leader for, for this team. Um, so, you know, that's, that's going to be the storyline there is, you know, the, the young upstart Padres, but the, the, the guy who's, who's, you know, the, the voice in the clubhouse should not be overlooked. One thing that's going to hurt the Padres is the news that is rolling out as we're recording this. The wild card series roster is out for San Diego, and, 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 and LaMette and Clevenger are both off of it. So that ends, uh, that ends the uncertainty about those two guys. The Padres are going to have to find a way without their top two starting pitchers there.
0: Yeah, and yeah. so it's the Adam Eaton rule all over again.
1: Pretty They're, wild. The Padres
0: are going to go into a series and not have their two best pitchers throw a single pitch.
1: And the Cardinals still might struggle to score runs. We'll see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they might. They might. But, again, it only takes two. Um, wow. (laughs) All right. So some people may be listening to this after game one has already been played and have the benefit of hindsight that we don't have. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot and realize that people are listening to this then, but maybe some will listen to it as a preview of the, of the game. Um, what's your pick, man? What your columnist bring some opinion. What's your pick now? Now, you know what the, uh, the Padres roster looks like and who is not on it. We are doing real time reporting here and what's your pick Uh,
1: i uh as as a padres enthusiast this uh this is do you have another confession to
0: make do you have another confession to
1: make oh i well i i've i have had a wandering eye from the cardinals i'll admit it are you racing
0: back to the flock now that it's october typical
1: i think i'm going to no I, i do after seeing this uh this pitching news um, and I, I, even before the pitching news, I really liked the idea of we were in the airport before the plane took off. And, and I said, man, I think, I think Kim is going to be the key to this series. And we didn't even know what game he was starting. And I, I think if, if Kim can do what he does best, which is make a good lineup, look, look uncomfortable, then there's going to be a lot of uncomfortable things going on for the Padres between their pitching, their rotation. And if Kim can, can you know, give the Cardinals a game to play with. I, I think that if that happens, then you might see some of that inexperience on the Padres side. I, I really would, would like, if I'm a Cardinals fan, the idea of Adam Wainwright going into a game with uh, the Cardinals 1-0 in a series. So I'm going to be bold here. I'm not going to hedge and say three. I'm going to say the Cardinals in two, and we're taking this party to uh, to Texas, and then we're going to have a whole other conversation about how the Card- what Cardinals would be stacking up against a a, a truly heavyweight Dodgers team.
0: That is what is ahead. That would be what, unless the Brewers pull off a miracle, right?
1: No way. No way. The, the, the Dodgers will get to the World Series before their collapse. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> no, that's a bold prediction. All right. Well, if that happens, oh, I almost did like a, wait, wait, don't tell me finish. If that happens, we'll talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> oh man, it's my dream. I almost did a wait, wait finish. Um, wait, you got well, a prediction? No, I'm a beat writer.
1: Okay, we make predictions all the time in the in the in the preview sections.
0: I predict that we will have another best podcast in baseball this weekend. That it reviews the series, and it will probably be a short BPIB because this could really be a short series. Because I feel like I've seen this before. I've, I've, I've honestly. <laughs> I feel like I've seen this series before, even playing out before my very eyes. And this year, in the role of Adam Eaton, is Danielson Lamette. Man, well, and
1: Mike Clevenger. It's the sequel. They just upped it. It is. It's like a repeat. They don't make good new movies anymore. They just repeat the old ones.
0: Yeah. Are you a fan of this short series
1: of this podcast?
0: No. Yes. No. No, of the of the of the playoff format.
1: Oh uh, I'm not a fan of anything expanded postseason because I know I, I feel like I, I'm just it's it's been ruined now by what Rob Manfred said about he hopes it sticks around and he thinks it's gonna be here to stay. I, I really felt like that was a, a low blow. Um, you, are not you are not into baseball bracketology. You're not into baseball bracketology. No, I'm not. So I, I would have li- I liked the idea of the expanded postseason for this crazy 2020 season. I really did and I thought it was going to be a one-time thing, but Manfred couldn't even wait till we had one in the bag before he started talking about how it's going to be here to stay and that that made me sad. He, Mark Manfred almost always makes me sad.
0: Well, I'm uh, giving you a socially acceptable virtual hug from a floor above and you know patting on the back. I'm sorry you're sad, but at least we have baseball to cover. There are eight baseball games going on. One of them's already started. Rosters are coming in. Uh, the Cardinals and Padres play later this afternoon, and the best podcast in baseball will be back. Um, we're going to do this more than weekly, um, so we'll be back. Um, sort of short burst BPIB. That's the goal and all of them brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. Get organized with Closet by Design of St. Louis. Update your closet, garage, office, pantry, and more. Call one 800 BYDESIGN. Closet by Design of St. Louis, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. You can find all of Ben Fredrickson's work at stltoday.com, along with all of, of the Constant Cardinals coverage that we have there. The Post Dispatch has three people in San Diego traveling to cover this series. Ben Fredrickson, Lori Scrivan, the photographer, and myself. We... Uh, have sent people there through all the protocols and all the policies and all the travel uh, considerations that are in place in order to bring you coverage from the event. And we hope that our coverage stands out because of that. That's the challenge that we have. That's the responsibility that we have. And that's the return on your investment you get as subscribers. So hold us to that. We'll have Cardinal chats. We'll have Cardinal blogs. We'll have Cardinal news and we'll have More commentary on the pitching decisions that have already been made to shape this series before a pitch has even been thrown. Ben Fredrickson, thank you very much for joining me. I look forward to our socially distant walk to the ballpark.
1: Sounds good, man. See you soon.
0: All right. See you soon. That's Ben Fredrickson, sports columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm baseball writer Derek Gould. This has been the best podcast in baseball brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. Talk to you soon. Enjoy all the baseball. Enjoy uh march madness baseball style it, it looks like it's going to be around for a while but but do have fun lots of baseball ahead all right that was that was good i need coffee let's get coffee let's get some coffee trevor rosenthal gave me some excellent uh caught well he didn't he uh, had car he had padre faithful give me many co- coffee suggestions so i got a list let's do that cool